This is episode 102 of Teacher Approved. You're listening to Teacher Approved, the podcast helping educators elevate what matters and simplify the rest. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. We're the creators behind Second Story Window, where we give research-based and teacher-approved strategies that make teaching less stressful and more effective. You can check out the show notes and resources from each episode at secondstorywindow.net. We're so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the show. Hey there, thanks for joining us today. In today's episode, we're discussing how to plan ahead for the management problems that will arise in your classroom and sharing a teacher-approved tip for giving a consequence quietly. We start our episodes with a morning message just like we used to do at morning meeting in our classrooms. This week's morning message is, use predictive text to finish the sentence. My principal just walked in and... Emily, what's your sentence? Mine was, my principal just walked in and asked me to come back to the house to help her get ready to move. Uh, No, that's a hard (laughs) Hard no. (laughs) How about yours? Well, mine is, my principal just walked in and asked if we were still on the phone. (laughs) And I thought, well, that tracks. But then I saw lots of people had that same one. So principals everywhere must know that teachers like to be on their phones. Yeah. We have some funny responses from our community. Michelle said, my principal just walked in and said that she was going to be there at five. So I told her I would be there at six. (laughs) (laughs) I corrected me up. (laughs) Diane said, my principal just walked in and she asked me to go back to work tomorrow. And I said, no. (laughs) I feel that on a Monday. Kim said, my principal just walked in and asked me to come over to help her with the bathroom. So I told her to go ahead because I didn't know what to do. (laughs) Deborah said, my principal just walked in and asked for my phone. (laughs) Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Donna said, my principal just walked in and said that she was going home. (laughs) Lucky. Lori said, my principal just walked in and asked for my password, and she told me that she had to use it. I think that's a scam, Lori. No, don't do it. (laughs) Don't give her your password. Emily said, my principal just walked in and asked if we were still going on vacation this week. Yes. (laughs) Stacy said, my principal just walked in and I told her to go back in the office. (laughs) Kate said, my principal just walked in and said she doesn't want me to be there. So she told me to go ahead and go home. (laughs) I don't think my feelings would be hurt. (laughs) These predictive texts are killing me. Casey said, my principal just walked in and said she would call you in about a minute. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, what did you do? And Sasha said, my principal just walked in and asked if we could have a drink. (laughs) Well, not at school. (laughs) We'd love to have you join the conversation over in our Teacher Approved Facebook group. Well, hello there. You are joining us today right in the middle of our three-part series on classroom management. But don't worry, you can still listen to today's episode. Just make sure to go back and listen to episode one of the series when you're done. As teachers, our goal is to create an ideal classroom. Or as ideal as is possible in the real world. (laughs) Let's be realistic. But we are always trying. To us, an ideal classroom is one that bolsters the social, emotional, behavioral, and academic development of all the students. So not much. (laughs) Child's play. And that's why classroom management is so important. Effective classroom management is how we create a classroom that nurtures well-rounded development. A lot of teachers think they have a management plan when what they really have is a consequences plan. If your class is struggling with unwelcome behaviors, 
It might be because your management plan leaves you stuck doling out consequences instead of managing behavior. We think of positive classroom management as having three pillars. The first pillar is prevent management problems. So our previous episode was all about ways to prevent problems from occurring in the first place, which is our favorite way to manage behavior, is just prevent those problems from the beginning. If the problems don't happen, you don't have the hassle of managing them. So make sure you go back to episode 101 for 10 ways to prevent problems in your classroom. Our second pillar of classroom management is to plan for management problems. And our third pillar is predict management problems. No matter how good we are at preventing the problems, some are still going to crop up. So it's important to have a solid plan for how to handle them. In today's episode, we're talking about your plan for dealing with those management problems. And next week, we'll share our best tips for predicting the times when your regular management plan isn't going to be strong enough to handle the problems that will arise. And you definitely don't want to miss that, especially as we are heading into the craziness of the holiday season. Yep. So make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss any of our holiday management tips and tricks. But that's next week. Today, we're all about planning for how to manage the daily hiccups that happen when we work with children. And the first step in that plan is remembering that we are working with children. <laughs> they are still figuring out how to be human, and it's our job to support that figuring out. So the basis of any positive, effective classroom management plan is believing that there are no bad kids. (laughs) All kids are good kids, but some of them just need a little extra support or a lot extra support. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. There have been a couple kids in my time that have tested me to my very (laughs) core on that belief. Still not entirely convinced that their purpose on this planet wasn't to push every one of my buttons every day. (laughs) And that does raise the point that what we're talking about today is general classroom management. If you think of the RTI pyramid of instruction that I'm sure we've all seen at a faculty meeting, we have the base of the pyramid where all students are getting quality classroom instruction. Then we have the middle tier of kids who need some extra support in order to progress. This would include interventions like small group instruction or reteaching groups. And then you've got that top tier of the pyramid. That's for the very small group of students who need significant support in order to progress. And we can actually see a similar pyramid when it comes to classroom behavior. Yeah, so 80 to 90% of your students, your general classroom rules and consequences will be enough for them. But every class has got a few special little souls. Mm -hmm. Some of those kids (laughs) need a little extra support. And some need specialized intensive support. Unfortunately, the number of kids in that top group seems to be growing. And at the same time, schools seem to be offering fewer and fewer resources for helping teachers deal with those severe problems. We are sensitive that this is the reality a lot of teachers are struggling with right now. And if that's you, please know we see you and we're cheering you on. However, for this episode, we are focusing on the base of that pyramid, the management plan that supports most of your students. The tips we're sharing today won't solve all of your behavior problems, but if they manage 80 to 90% of them, you will have more time and energy to address those more severe issues. So what is included in the base of our management pyramid? First, we have all of the things we talked about in last week's episode that prevent problems. We effectively manage the classroom space. We lay out clear procedures and hold kids accountable for meeting our expectations. 
We use teaching techniques that keep kids engaged in lessons. Once we've done what we can to prevent problems, we need a productive way for dealing with the problems that still occur. If we rely on a system that requires us to catch and punish every misbehavior, all we're doing is wearing ourselves out. Relying on punishment isn't teaching students how to be better. Nope, it's just teaching them not to get caught. That doesn't reduce the number of behaviors we have to deal with. It just makes the kids sneakier at misbehaving, (laughs) those little rascals. A better alternative is a management system that teaches self-control. If kids have self-control, they are choosing to follow directions rather than relying on us to coerce them into following directions. That cuts down on misbehaving, but it also frees us from wasting time and energy on punishments. And how do we teach self-control? First, we teach strategies that empower students to make good choices. And second, we teach accountability. So let's talk about how you can teach strategies that empower students to make good choices. When you clearly teach your procedures and routines, you're teaching students how to make good choices. Explaining and practicing the steps of each routine teaches students exactly what's expected of them. If you want some support in clearly teaching your procedures, Make sure to check out our procedures and routines resources that use our tell, try, tally, talk method, and it walks you through each step of the process. Another way to teach strategies is to teach students how to recess. <laughs> is, that like, is that like Ken? What if the students, their only job is recess? <laughs> they would like that if that were their only job. And obviously kids know how to play, but as, you know, five minutes on the playground will show you. They don't always know how to play at recess. Or make good choices at recess. (laughs) Disagreements over rules erupt into physical fights. Kids are climbing on top of the monkey bars no matter how many times you tell them to get down. Basketballs are being thrown like dodgeballs. Some kids are bored and causing problems. Some kids are lonely and they're counting the minutes until recess is over. All kids need strategies for how to behave at recess. One of our favorite tips is to teach specific recess games so kids have more options of what to do during recess. We talk all about that in episode 92 if you want to go check that out. We also want to teach the skills needed to function in the classroom. How to work in a group, how to listen, how to disagree politely, how to include someone who is left out. You need a dedicated time for teaching positive behavior skills. The second part of our system of self-control is to teach accountability. This is where rules and consequences come into play. Rules allow us to create a classroom where everyone thrives. And effective classroom rules are more than just a list of do's and don'ts. Rules are guiding principles that remind students how they should be. If we want students to follow the rules, one of the most important things we can do is involve students in creating our class expectations. If you've used guided discovery to introduce your classroom tools, you know how powerful it is to involve students in generating the standards they're expected to follow. Leading a discussion about how your class is going to use scissors or glue means students have a clear understanding of what's okay and what's not okay, and it helps them be more mindful and willing to comply. If you are not yet familiar with guided discovery, go back to episodes 21 and 75, where we walk you through all of the reasons that we love guided discovery and how to use it with your own students. 
Hey there, teacher friend. Do you have a question or concern that could use a teacher-approved solution? We'd love to help you out by answering your question here on the podcast. You can submit your questions to hello at secondstorywindow.net and put podcast question in your subject line. Can't wait to hear what's on your mind. Another way to empower students is to involve them in generating your class rules. Responsive Classroom has a great system for this. If you have the first six weeks of school book, they walk you through the process. But if you don't have the book, they have a blog post with helpful information, and we'll link to that in the show notes. I love the Responsive Classroom method. Emily and I both used it every year. So on the third day of school, we would start talking about our hopes and goals for the year with the kids. We spent a couple of days on that, and then I would pull the kids in for a discussion. We looked at our list of goals, and we talked about what we needed to do to make sure that we could reach those goals. I loved having such a positive way to start the discussion about rules. It helps set the standard that I'm not waiting to catch them being bad. Instead, the message was that we all have a responsibility to follow the rules so that everyone is protected. And you can do this at any point in the year. If you feel like you want to reframe your students' attitudes about rules, you can do this now. You can do it in November or February or May. And even if you have school-wide rules that you're expected to implement, you can still make this activity work for you. Maybe instead of making rules, tell your students that you're making class agreements or norms or standards or a code of conduct. You could even call it your class constitution. This process of coming together and agreeing to certain behaviors is so powerful. It's definitely worth adapting to make it fit your needs. And it's so good for building your classroom community too. Rules are always more effective if students understand the reason behind them and the behaviors that go with them. And when students help create them, they're even more willing to follow them. As part of our rules discussion at the beginning of the school year, I made sure we talked about what it looked like and sounded like if we were following that rule. But that really has to be an ongoing conversation. All year long, we want to reference our rules. Maybe before heading into the lunchroom, you remind students of the rule to be kind. And then you ask them to tell you what they'll do at lunch that day to be kind. It's also helpful to have a set time to discuss class problems and have students suggest solutions. Maybe at morning meeting, you can point out that there was a lot of roughhousing at recess yesterday. You can ask students to suggest ways they can keep each other safe. Then they're the ones responsible for the solution instead of making it something only the teacher can solve. These clear and consistent conversations about rules become even more important when a rule is broken. Having a positive framework around rules helps kids see accountability as a way to fix a problem and not a punishment for messing up. We want kids to understand that mistakes are a welcome part of the learning process, even when we're learning how to behave. Kids forget or slip up or feel the need to test the boundaries. So when rules are broken, our management plan needs to rely on accountability, not shame. Logical consequences are a way to turn a misstep into an opportunity for growth. Instead of punishing kids for breaking a rule, we help them fix the problem they caused. It might sound like consequences, quote unquote, is just another (laughs) term for punishment, but the two responses are very different. Punishment uses external controls like fear or shame to ensure compliance. Logical consequences help children regain self-control and learn how to reflect and improve. 
So growing up, our elementary school had the management system of writing your name on the board, and then you'd have to add a check mark for each additional offense. Oh, it's the worst. And over the years, I might have had to add a check mark for, you know, scribbling on my desk or not coming in when the recess bell rang or calling my teacher Mrs. Poopoo Head. <laughs> All real examples from my sketchy past that earned me check marks. Oh, she's she was a problem <laughs> child, guys. I said Mrs. Poo Head under my breath, but she heard me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, What did you call me? And then I just said it louder. So <laughs> you earned that yeah, check. I did. <laughs> but those check marks weren't related to the harm I'd caused, so they weren't really solving the problem. Nope. I definitely usually got my check marks for talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't understand that at all. On the other hand, logical consequences are always related to the specific behavior, and there are three main types. The first one is you break it, you fix it. This is used when something is broken or a mess is made. Maybe Zara accidentally crashed into Miguel in the lunchroom. Now his tray is on the floor. Even if the harm is unintentional, the consequence is taking responsibility for fixing the problem. Maybe the teacher could coach Zara to check if Miguel is okay and then help clean up the spilled tray and get Miguel a new one. You break it, you fix it would have been a good consequence for my scribbling on the desk, but it can also apply to hurt feelings. In this case, it's important to talk to the child who was harmed away from the other child to learn what they need in order to restore the relationship. Maybe they need an apology or a promise not to do it again. In severe cases, maybe the hurt runs so deep that the child who is harmed will never feel safe around the other child again. The hard lesson about consequences is sometimes we can't take back what we did. The loss of a privilege is another logical consequence. This comes into play when students forget or defy a rule. So if your students are leaving the class library a sloppy mess every day, maybe the consequence is losing the privilege of choosing their own books for a few days. Or if students can't play a math game without getting out of control, a logical consequence would be having to put away the game and do independent worksheets instead. The loss of the privilege needs to be tied to the expectations that aren't being met. So when I didn't come back to class when the recess bell rang, a logical consequence would be missing the next recess, or maybe only being allowed to play on the blacktop near the door so I couldn't ignore the bell next time. Losing the privilege of sitting next to my friends at lunch would be a punishment, not a consequence, because my problem had to do with recess and not lunch. The key to making the loss of a privilege an effective consequence is making sure that you reteach your expectations before reinstating the privilege. Before letting you have free reign at recess, your teacher could have reminded you what to do when you hear the bell. This makes sure there's no misunderstanding about the expected behavior. If you have a student who is being disruptive, maybe they've called their teacher an unfortunate name, (laughs) they might need a little break or a timeout. And this is the third type of logical consequence. This one gives students a chance to calm down and regain some self-control. Everyone needs these sometimes. (laughs) Some teachers have designated spaces in their classroom for students to take a little break, and then they can rejoin the group when they're ready. Unfortunately, sometimes behaviors escalate to the point of needing outside support, but with the foundation of a strong management system in place, you can prevent most problems from becoming that severe. A positive classroom management system includes plans for preventing behavior problems, planning for the problems that will still crop up, and predicting where problems will arise in the future. When you're making a plan for how to address the problems that still crop up, 
make sure you are dedicating regular time to teaching strategies that empower students to make good choices. And make sure you have a plan for clear, easy to implement consequences. Logical consequences like you break it, you fix it, losing a privilege, or taking a break teach students how to act responsibly in or out of the classroom. We'd love to hear how you handle rules and consequences in your classroom. Come join the conversation in our Teacher Approved Facebook group. Now let's talk about this week's Teacher Approved Tip. Each week we leave you with a small actionable tip that you can apply in your classroom today. This week's Teacher Approved Tip is create a signal to help students know they need to take a little break from the group. Tell us more about this, Heidi. This is a very handy consequence to have ready. Often kids are disruptive at the most inconvenient times, which is just makes it even more annoying. (laughs) You're in the middle of a lesson and one little darling won't stop pestering his neighbor. What do you do? You don't want to single that kid out or make them feel ashamed. And it's not really practical to shut everything down, get all the other kids busy on something, and then deal with that problem on the side. You need something that you can rely on in a tough moment. And that's when a signal comes in handy. I taught my students that if they were being disruptive, I would catch their eye and I would hold up my index finger. That was their warning. If they couldn't get it under control after that, I made eye contact again, held up two fingers, and then I pointed to where they needed to move to to have a little break. And I love the idea of having a dedicated timeout space, but my classroom was basically just a box. I didn't have any room for that. So instead, I just had my students move away from the group. So if we were at the rug, they moved back to their desk. If we were at the desk, they moved to the small group table. I just needed them in a place where their disruptions were minimized. And what did you do if that didn't solve the problem? In that case, I made eye contact again. I'm still carrying on teaching, doing what I'm doing with the rest of the kids, but I'm looking them in the eye and I hold up three fingers and point to the door. They were supposed to go stand outside the door until I could come chat with them about what needed to change. Usually they realized the severity of that and they could join the group after that, but sometimes they would have to go work in another room and occasionally they would have to go work in the office. It's important to teach and practice this just like any other procedure so students know exactly what to do when it happens. And plus, practicing it like any other procedure does take some of the sting out of it. If students are embarrassed, that could escalate their bad behavior So we want this to feel as low-key, normal, every day as possible. We're not mad. We're not flustered. We're just helping a student get control in a difficult moment. To wrap up the show, we're sharing what we're giving extra credit to this week. Emily, what are you giving extra credit to? I'm giving extra credit to the Carbon Clean Peeps Eyeglass Lens Cleaner. (laughs) All three of my kids wear glasses, and I grabbed this tool to help us keep their lenses clean. It's almost like a little mini set of tongs. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. And they have carbon microfiber pads on the ends. So you can clean both sides of the glasses at once. And I like that when you put the tool back in its case, it cleans off the pads. There's like something inside like a little, I don't know if it's a little piece of carbon or what that the pads rub off on, but it cleans off the pads for the next use. It's honestly hard to describe what I'm talking (laughs) about. The picture makes more sense, but I am really impressed with this tool. I keep it handy so that I can clean everyone's glasses at bedtime when we're reading together. (laughs) Well, that's good to know because I was just cleaning my glasses on my shirt this morning thinking, there's got to be a better way to do this. There is a better way. That's timely. (laughs) What are you giving extra credit to? I'm giving extra credit to 
the new holiday music playlist on Spotify. That's what the playlist is called, new holiday music. <laughs> and I love Christmas music, maybe to an unhealthy level. And I want to know all of the new releases each year. So this playlist updates with all of the new singles that come out each week Ooh. around October, November. And a lot of times there's good music on there. Like One Republic has a new single for Christmas that is very fun. I love One Republic. But there's when there's some head scratchers, you're like, who is this for? <laughs> I was kind of thinking that maybe Cher's new Christmas album was going to be maybe the low point this year. Sorry, Cher. But then <laughs> Andrea Bocelli, you know, that beautiful Italian voice, rolled in singing Feliz Navidad with The Simpsons. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening here? The characters have little like funny qu- asides and quips Gosh. and you're like, what? I don't, I don't know what reality is anymore. <laughs> so my head's spinning a little bit over that one, but the new holiday music playlist is where you can find it all, the good and the bad. And maybe just skip over that one. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's your favorite and I just hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. I will make it up <laughs> to you later. That's it for today's episode. Make a plan for dealing with your behavior management problems And don't forget our teacher-approved tip to create a signal to let kids know they need a timeout. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Teacher Approved. I'm Heidi. And I'm Emily. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast app so that you never miss an episode. You can connect with us and other teachers in the Teacher Approved Facebook group. We'll see you here next week. Bye for now. Bye.